Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a man with resting crime face to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is red baiting, also known as reductio ad Stalinum. <laughs> Excellent. Which, of course, is a play on reductio ad Hitlerum. Absolutely. So we've talked about yeah. that one. Yep. In the past, although we haven't done a full episode on it. Oh, no, we should do that. And this is kind of the other end of the political spectrum, although you wouldn't know it from the people who <laughs> who tend to invoke Utilize this it. fallacy. Yes, yes. It's, it's basically calling someone a communist based on nothing other than the I fact what, that what? you don't like their argument and they're politically yeah. to the left of you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Attila the Hun, <laughs> everybody is a communist. Yeah, yeah. Nigel Farage... Attila the Hun is a communist. Yeah. 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 So um, our first example from Trump comes from the day after the vice presidential debate between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. And uh, this was Trump's take. I thought that wasn't even a contest last night. She was terrible. She was, uh, I don't think you could get worse, and totally unlikable. And she is. She's a communist. She's left of Bernie. She's rated left of Bernie by everybody. She's a communist. We're going to have a communist, and she's going to be, in my opinion, within a month. Look, I stood next to Joe, and I looked at Joe. Joe's not lasting two months as president. Okay, that's my opinion. She's not likable, and she isn't. (laughs) Yeah. 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 She's just not likable. He said she was rated left of Bernie by everyone. There's not Mm. that many people who do that kind of rating. But GovTrack... No. Do do that kind of okay. rating, and okay, yeah. and they and everyone... did rate her that year, uh, or the yeah. the year prior to this because they do it like at the end of each year. Um, so the year right. prior to this, they did rate her the the most liberal senator. Right, Bernie was like zero point zero two, and she was zero point zero one or something like that. So oh, it was it was really close. And Way the following up. year, yeah. um, Bernie it was they flipped round. So Bernie was the most liberal, and she was just slightly less and it's based on their voting records and you know oh, okay. public statements right. and that kind of stuff yeah so didn't we do a remember when we did that survey on online yeah i side with dot com yes exactly yeah <laughs> we were outrageously useless <laughs> yeah. oh my god bernie would even you know kind of gasp and stretch his eyes yeah yeah and i mean what? that that's kind of partly the thing is that to someone like trump or to or to say a real Republican, uh, the people, right. yeah. the people, people on the, the left, left yeah, the people yeah. on the left in the U.S., the the Democrats and the and even the the liberal and progressive wing of the Democrats are extremist, and yet yes. for large parts of the rest of the world, the yeah. the Democrats aren't very liberal. They're no. they're reasonably moderate. Even the most liberal of them yeah. aren't yeah. Yeah. aren't they're, kind of that extreme. They're, they're, they're sort of center of center. Yeah. Aren't they? yeah, aren't they? Yeah. One of the things that is very very clear is that none of the people who say any of this un- know what communism is at all. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 
no granted that. I think <laughs> even even Karl Marx would kind of go, oh yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit communist. That. Said, yeah, just a, I think you've kind of somewhat perverted Marxism there, <laughs> fellas. Yeah, and this is essentially a form of uh, guilt by association, because by yeah. By likening yeah. people to communists or calling them communists directly, but but yeah. by by calling them communists, you're likening them to the people who people think of when they think yeah. of communism, like yeah. Stalin. <laughs> Stalin, somebody um, with a pointy hat with a beard. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and so you so you know that's the kind of the 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 heuristic. That's what comes to mind when you think communism mm. is is you know Soviet Russia, breadlines, all of that kind of bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and and so just by invoking and also that, taking your property away, there's that implication that all of your private property will be taken away from you and redistributed to other people mm-hmm. who of whom you do not approve. That it's that kind of that that's I think is the inherent sense that well they're a communist, they're going to take everything that you have worked hard for away. So our second example from Trump comes from one of his standard tirades against the media. ABC is so bad. CBS, so bad. NBC, I made a lot of money for NBC with The Apprentice, right? A lot of money. A lot. Plus, we had the number one show a lot, and they had nothing in the top ten except a thing called The Apprentice. And they treat me so bad. I brilliantly said, well, one group I know will treat me well. NBC. I call it Comicast. You know, it's owned by Comicast. I brilliantly said. Yeah, I, I love that. Here's the thing. I, I brilliantly, brilliantly said. said. Yeah. <laughs> um, said. I don't. I think. I don't think that's based on anything. I don't. They're not like owned by a Russian company or. It's just Comicast. Comicast. Yeah. Commies are bad. That's all you need to yeah. know. I, and it's exactly, weird. Yeah. I mean, just, just for yeah, the. I've just made this ignorant kind of association. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm stupid. Just, uh, come, yeah, just a yeah, bad thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incidentally, bad thing, bad thing. As is, yeah. as is my want. Yeah. He made a claim. You check there the ratings. Yeah, yeah. Because he said that he made a lot of money for NBC. I'm sure that's right. Because NBC, right. when The Apprentice started, were coming off the fu- the last seasons of Frasier and Friends. Um, right. They already had a lot of money, obviously, based on stuff like that. Yeah. But they didn't yeah. really have anything else to replace those shows with, so right. their ratings did dip. And The Apprentice did okay for them, so I'm sure that he did make them money. They kept it going for 15 seasons. Bloody hell. So it must have made enough in advertising to make it worth doing that. Yeah, plus it's cheap. It is, cheap. Yeah, reasonably cheap. But mm. he said that it was the number one show, and he had the num- they had the number one show a lot. And I know that that is true at some point, because when you go into Mar-a-Lago, there is a framed page that been has there? been ripped out of the tv guide right that shows the apprentice at number one. Oh, okay yeah i couldn't find a, a picture of this but it's mentioned in a an article i think by vanity fair maybe right but i don't need to find an, uh, a picture of it to know that it was the tv guide edition that covered april 15th of 2004 and i know that because that's the only episode where it mm-hmm. was number one ever for 15 seasons. <laughs> oh, my... What? Wow. What? Wow. Why Why was that? Because there was a tsunami? Yeah, just ER wasn't, wasn't that good that week. I don't, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my god. It, its first wow. season, it averaged fifth. Was beaten by the last season of Friends. All right. Its second season, it was fourteenth. It yeah. never again made it into the top thirty. By season wow. ten, it was a hundred and thirteenth. Fantastic. Seems like Elf. Yeah. Beating it. Yeah. Reruns of Elf. Yeah. Once it was number one. That's it ever. Wow. And that's obviously that's the one that he's torn out and yeah, yeah. put up. But for the whole time it was on, up to when he ran for president, he was saying it's the number one show on NBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the apostrophe S is is uh, was yeah, yeah. rather than is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The yeah. publicity guy for The Apprentice. A guy, I think his name was Jim Dowd, said that he used to get, the day after the show went out, he would get a call at 8am from yeah. Trump saying, what are the numbers? Yeah, what are, what are the figures? And every, yeah. every week he would say, the numbers don't come in until 10am, Mr. Trump. <laughs> you, have to, you have to call me back. I'll let you know when we know how it every is. Every <laughs> single week. How brilliant is that? But he was obsessed wow. with his ratings, as has so, he has continued to be. Always eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our final example in this section is from a campaign video on behalf of Herschel Walker, but mostly mm. featuring South Dakota Governor Christy Noem. It's quite a weird video. Very it's, oddly framed. It gave nothing me nothing else. It, <laughs> it's it really Maybe the heebie-jeebies. It gave me vibes of kindergarten teacher and stupidest five-year-old. Yes, and yeah, especially towards the end. Uh, let me just play. This is like the second half of it. It's not a very long video. Right. Listen, he's been in every fight to save America since I've known you for the last several years, and now he is all into the Senate race, and it is more important than ever that we stop this socialist Marxist agenda that's trying to take over the country. And I'll tell you what, the guy he's running against is one of the biggest instigators. We need to take him out. Herschel's the guy. He knows how to win. He vote with Biden. I vote with the voters. No. Herschel's for you. Vote for Herschel. So that, that moment where Herschel gets those, what, six words in a row right, kind yeah. of. I, he, I vote he, vote, he vote with Biden. Um, <laughs> she, she goes... Oh, like, uh, oh, you know, no. oh, well done, Herschel. You did it. Only, only eighty takes to get that right. Well, well done. brilliant. So We're about to sad. shorten it so much. Yeah, he barely <laughs> talks. Just... That's like he took. He does that twice. Basically, he does two, two, two lines. First yeah. one doesn't make any sense either because she's she's introducing him and and he says with a leader like this pointing to her who's in a different mm-hmm. state and oh, I mean she's a leader in the sense she's a governor. But that's okay. she's not his leader. With a no. with a leader like this, I know I'm going to win. He's who needs enemies. Yeah, I, I mean that's yeah. that her being governor in a different state has absolutely no bearing on whether he wins in Georgia or not. It doesn't make any sense. But that's he, bit, they could get him to remember that or read it off a teleprompter. So because it's in very short words, it's, it reminds me of. The relationship between Mickey Mouse and Goofy, <laughs> it's that kind of, oh, dog, oh, dog. and then Mickey goes, oh, yeah, you're a great guy. Oh, so weird. So, so yeah, she's uh, she's talking about the socialist Marxist agenda of, of uh, the left, the Democrats, and, yeah. and, and that the guy that Herschel is running against is the main instigator of this. Mm. Now, the guy she, he's running against is, is Reverend oh, Raphael Marx. Warnock. Right. Who yeah. is not a communist? 
<laughs> no. Especially given that, that Marx and communism generally anti-religion. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a reverend. He was accused by Kelly Loeffler in their debate before the Senate runoffs in uh, early 2021 of being a Marxist and of supporting Marx. Basically, she asked him, do you here and now denounce Marxism? She didn't do it with that much intonation in her voice because she's a fucking robot. Exactly. Yeah. She was... Her performance, <laughs> you know so kind of, her yeah. performance in yeah. the debate was weirdly automatic. It was very, very strange. Yeah. But she asked him, basically, do you denounce Marxism? Which is yeah. weird because he hadn't he hadn't kind of promoted it anyway. Announced it, yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah. Is it true you're still beating your and, wife? And he, yeah. instead of just saying, yes, what a weird question, he yeah. he talked about how he was in favour of the free market and capitalism and and free enterprise and all of that stuff. So he, he directly contradicted any suggestion that he was an, a, a communist or a Marxist. But... Yeah. That was held up on the right as saying, well, he didn't say no. He didn't, he didn't say, say no. He's not a yes. so. <laughs> He just dispels all so. of the philosophical yeah. opposites of communism. <laughs> go, no, no, free market, individuality, yeah, make as much as you can. <laughs> at the expense of everyone else. They go, oh, yeah, but you didn't say no. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part of the problem with people who say, well, you're just a communist is that if you don't say, no, I'm not, yeah. whereas actually espousing all of the values that capitalism holds goes above the heads of the people that are saying, you're just a communist, so much so that they say, well, he didn't say no. Yeah. But no, but he's just laid out the entirety of, of capitalism and wholeheartedly embraces that. And you still think he's a communist because he didn't say... No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not a Marxist. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not going to denounce that. But I will embrace and fully <laughs> endorse capitalism. She called him a radical socialist again and again and again throughout the campaign, but especially right. during the debate. And part of what the Republicans pointed to as evidence of his Marxist socialist tendencies, um, he has said that the early church was a socialist church. Yeah. Yeah. And he points to the part in Acts where it talks about the, the apostles essentially forming a commune. And people who came along to the commune would sell their property and give their money to the apostles to be distributed among the people who needed it. Which is absolutely true. Well, yeah. I say true. <laughs> it's, it it's true that it's in the it's Bible. It's in the Bible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's merely pointing that out, essentially. But they point yeah. to a single line in his book, The Divided Mind of the Black Church, where he says the Marxist critique has things that we as a as a kind of black church can learn from. Yeah. Now, I found the book and, and tracked down that passage and read it in context. Yeah. And it's, it's a really, really heavy book. It's got... I, I, to understand yeah. most of that section, I would need a thesaurus and, like, quite a while right. to sit down and figure yeah, out... Yeah. What Quite what is going on? Because yeah. it's re it's yeah. very dense. It is in no way possible to to point to that passage and say it endorses Marxism. <laughs> yeah. If someone criticizes us, there's things we yeah. can learn from that. That's not the same as saying they're yeah. right. Um, we should do everything uh, their way, and we should do everything <laughs> they say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything and all the associated stuff. 
and not what you're <laughs> saying. Yeah. So, yeah. It turns out that when you call someone a Marxist uh, or a communist, either you're just lying or it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, yes, exactly. A usual thing. A lot more complicated than you're making it out. You're relying on people's preconceived ideas in order to sustain your argument. And so you haven't got to do any work. It's fundamentally, it's a shortcut for not doing any work. And... Now is the time, I think, for Marx's British politics. Corner. Speaking of shortcuts for not having to do any work, <laughs> this, is, his, this is Boris Johnson, who, despite everything that Keir Starmer has done to try to de-socialist slash unread the, the Labour Party and his move back to centrist new Labour managerial stance that kind of served Ed Miliband so well after four years of Cameron's Tories... Well, he didn't because he didn't win the election. Here's Boris undoing all of that hard work in a calculatedly offhand smear during Prime Minister's questions in May 2022 to distract from his own incompetencies and also possibly the Tory party's Russian funding. And, and he campaigned, he campaigned to put Vladimir Corbyn, I mean, sorry, uh, Jeremy Corbyn... <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn in Downing Street, Mr. Speaker. There it is. Let's just Stalinify, communistify the entire Starmer project, which is deliberately aimed to hurt Starmer because he'd done his utmost to undo all that. Well, as we'll find out later, the Labour Party accused Corbyn of doing even, moving it far too far to the left. And it, it and it needs to be moved back to the centre. Let's get rid of all that. Let's dissociate ourselves from all the communistic stuff um, because that is damaging and awful. And then Boris just does this offhand thing. Vladimir Corbyn, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliantly <laughs> funny. Comes at the end of Starmer, very accurate, factual skewering of Boris's not having done one you know thing one in his entire uh, premiership and then he just relies on this the age old stuff of he actually campaigned for Vladimir Corbyn <laughs> the thing is that when Corbyn lost the election to Boris Starmer became the leader so he got rid of Corbyn Corbyn was got rid of and Starmer became the leader and yes it is it is true that uh, way early on five years prior to that Starmer was on the side of the people that ultimately supported Corbyn through their support behind Corbyn, having prior to that thrown their support behind the pre the previous the the leadership thing in the Labour Party, pretty much the same as the leadership of the Tory Party. There are several candidates that are put up, and people support them. And then when they in the next round, when they get insufficient votes they throw their weight behind the remaining candidates. And that's what happened to Starmer. So it is true to say that he campaigned on behalf of, but only after like two or three rounds, that was that's who all was there because he didn't want to support the other person and nobody can remember <laughs> who they were. So a second example, uh, Tory MP Jonathan Gullis, who appeared on LBC Talk Radio on the 21st of June this year, talking about the strike action by the RMT rail workers 
the the union there that we've talked about before mick lynch talking about how bad things are and why why the rmt are going on strike is because they're not they haven't had a pay deal for three years so this is the tory mp who's wheeled out to talk about it and what the tory take on it and the presenter's question was about well why not pay the workers out of the rail company's enormous profits <laughs> mick lynch needs to stop telling everyone that he doesn't want to talk to a tory government rather than pushing his own party politics i don't know to get some uh, red flags waving behind him and get some pats on the back well, you're out of date on that one because he, mick lynch actually wrote a, a letter to grant shapps last thursday i think asking yeah, for a meeting grant shapps has sent a letter the day we had a debate in parliament which is not you know ironic it was of all days he decided to suddenly act on that yeah it was telling broadcast media the week before that he would never talk with the tory government mitt lynch is a marxist who has no interest in anything other than trying to bring down a conservative government because he wants to push his own political agenda he's a waste of space and better off not in the trade union so the only qualification that gullis has got is that he was once part of a trade union he was a teacher so he belonged to the national union of teachers i think that's why they wheeled him out but it's the it's the same stuff. That thing about him being a Marxist was also um, levelled against uh, Mick Lynch by um, d- d- journalists in inverted commas on Sky News. Kay Burley, who who said, "Well, you're a Marxist, aren't you?" And he, I don't know. Then Mick Lynch just laughed in mm-hmm. her face and said, "Well, I'm not. I'm just, you know, it's." We haven't had a pay rise, and all the money was to support the rail workers, whilst nobody was the rail companies, whilst nobody was using the railway, went to the shareholders, and that's what the the uh, presenter's question hints at, and and Gullis just goes, I love that bit. He wants some red flags <laughs> waving behind yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't it? think you could have a pay rise under Marxism. I don't think because. Well, you wouldn't. You wouldn't need. One. No, it's it's about um, dismantling the capitalist system. Isn't it? The the the, the, yeah. the different the, the yeah. thing that separates Marxism from like social democracy or democratic socialism, whichever way you yeah look at it. Which is which is the only real form of socialism that is kind of espoused by actual politicians uh, is dem- yeah. democratic socialism. Um, is that Marxism? The argument is that. To achieve that ideal, to achieve the best situation, you you need to get rid of capitalism completely. You need to overthrow it. Yeah. You can't do anything else because yeah. it's it's not possible to to change it. Whereas democratic socialism says that you can reform capitalism. You can make cap. You mm. can use the the current capitalist system and make it better. Make it achieve those goals yeah. just through making changes to it. Which is exactly what someone saying: pay us more money for the work we do, yeah. or you know, yeah, don't, yeah. don't have such enormous profits that only go to shareholders and fat cat CEOs. That that's yeah. that's democratic yeah. socialism. It's not Marxism. Yes, that, that, that's what that's entirely what Mick Lynch is about. He's going, no, I don't want to dismantle. Somebody, I think it was poss- possibly Kay Burley, saying you want to dismantle the capitalist thing, which was, she was just peddling yeah. the Tory party's briefing, and. Um, and Mick Lynch is saying, "No, I don't want to do that. I believe in tax. You know, we there, sh- there should be taxes. It's fine that businesses are run to make money, but it shouldn't be at the expense of the workers who are making the money for the company. The company, and the, and they said, well, if you take away the 
profits, then they won't invest. You go, yeah, it would, it would be fine if they're investing because <laughs> the people they would be investing in are the workers that are doing the work to make the money for the shareholders. But they're not investing in the stuff. They're giving it away to the CEOs. Who are then storing it offshore to avoid taxes. and Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where yeah. it's going. That's It's not going back into the infrastructure. It's not going back into... Uh, wages for the workers, thereby retaining the workers and keeping them happy. They're not even buying stuff with it and putting that money into the economy. No. Because no. they've already got enough money. They're already yeah. buying all the stuff they would normally buy. This is just extra money for them. Yeah. <laughs> They're just taking away and, and saving for uh, for the rainy day when the communists take <laughs> over and they will need all their assets. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, oh, and by the way, um, Jonathan Gullis is the guy who, in October 2020, stated that the research by the National Maritime Museum and into the Royal Navy's links to slavery was left-wing ideological nonsense. You know, yeah, way to red-bait <laughs> the anti-slavers. Yeah, no wonder the presenter said he was out of date, because that was 1700 mm. and something. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, Mick Lynch is a gift to the right-wing press. The Daily Express had a sideby in the middle of an anti-Starmer freeze the energy price hike article, which has them rubbing their hands together with glee and making all sorts of implications in bold capitals. And this is the sideby. It says, Corbyn ally Mick Lynch sides with, in capitals, Russia in blaming West for war on corrupt, in inverted commas, Ukraine. Union baron... <laughs> Mick Lynch has sparked outrage after he appeared to he appeared to on whose in whose opinion to side with Jeremy Corbyn on blaming the West for Russia's war against Ukraine. What did Mick Lynch, Mr. Lynch say about Russian invasion? Find out here. Click it's clickbait. It's pure mm-hmm. clickbait. And you know, of course, they would say that, wouldn't they? Because it's easy meat for the right to raise the boogeyman of the extreme left when talking about. The non-right, shall we say, anyone who isn't to the right is just communist, <laughs> yeah. even if they're liberals. You know, it gets a bit, yeah, as we say, it's a bit more complicated than that. And it's even more complicated when the left themselves start using red baiting amongst themselves. So, for, and for example, the Labour leadership contest that we talked about in 2017 and 2020, Corbyn in 2017 faced a no-confident vote in his leadership. And Tom Watson, the deputy leader at the time, had already urged Corbyn to quit. And in the leadership campaign that followed, described as entryist Trotskyites, the tens of thousands of members that have signed up to be members of the Labour Party, me included, to be able to vote for Corbyn as the leader in 2015. And he said, there are trots (laughs) that have come back to the party and they certainly don't have the best interests of the Labour Party at heart. They see the Labour Party as a vehicle for revolutionary socialism and they're not remotely interested in winning elections and that's a problem. Well, yeah, ordinary members like me who are interested in progressive politics as an alternative to new Labour centrist policies, which actually were also not good at winning elections, by the way, made sure that Corbyn won again. So he won the uh, no-confidence vote. And Corbyn appointed Owen Smith, Shadow Northern Ireland Secretary in 2017, 
but then sacked Smith in 2018 because Smith proposed a second EU referendum vis-à-vis Brexit. And Labour former Cabinet Minister Lord Hayne accused Corbyn of a terrible Stalinist purge (laughs) for sacking Smith. And then after the general election of 2019 that brought in Boris's Tories back to power, Corbyn stood down as leader and in the leadership contest that followed in 2020, more red baiting ensued. Journalist and news statesman columnist Paul Mason tweeted about the candidates Lisa Nandy, Rebecca Long-Bailey and Keir Starmer. And he says, the right are backing Nandy, the Stalinists who destroyed Corbynism are backing Rebecca Long-Bailey and it's a no-brainer for anti-capitalists to vote Hashtag care for leader. Wait, why, why, why did the Stalinists destroy Corbynism? Well, exactly. Weren't but, the Stalinists voting for Corbyn? Yeah, and wasn't Corbyn <laughs> being a Stalinist? Yeah, according to like, them, surely. Well, exactly. This is why it's far more complicated <laughs> on the left than, yes, quite. And then as leader, Starmer then began removing the left wing from the party in an attempt to make them more electable. And this got red baited as well by Owen Jones. His tweet on in July 2021, he says, Keir Starmer promised no more navel-gazing, but instead of fighting the Tories, Labour is now beginning a Stalinist-style purge. All the people who portrayed Corbynism as scary authoritarianism will be the most loudly demanding even bigger purges. And you think, yeah, there's the irony that Corbyn was a Stalinist authoritarianist by getting rid of the likes of Owen Smith... And now there's a Stalinist purge to get rid of those people. Have you got any sense of what these people who are talking about Stalinist style purges? Is that just a way of saying they sacked people? Like if a, a politician who who yeah. who did not have the loyalty of members of their party or yeah. or was or disagreed with yeah. someone yeah. got rid of them. That's a Stalinist purge, because Trump is extremely Stalinist, if that's well, the case. Yes, exactly, in that, <laughs> in that regard, yes. It's almost like politicians like being surrounded by people who think the same way as them about it's stuff. A, yeah, it? you, you, yeah it's, it's odd, isn't it? That kind of, rather than just going, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that, what we should do is have a, try and be a broad church that reflects what actually goes on amongst real people yeah. and try to represent <laughs> some of that That's breadth of opinion. Way too complicated <laughs> way too complicated. <laughs> no, yeah. We just want to be black and white, red and blue. That's all we want. So and in, in September the same year at the Labour Party conference, Labour Party members found that they couldn't attend the conference because their membership had been revoked after their sympathies for the left-wing movements within the party were deemed incompatible with membership of the party. And the former shadow chancellor under Corbyn, John McDonnell, said, this is insane. Joe Stalin would be over the moon about the way we're behaving at the moment. And most recently, Sam Tarry, Labour MP for Ilford South, joined the picket line of the striking RMT rail workers in July 2022 and was sacked from the Labour Party as a result. And Matt Zarb-Cousin's tweet brings us full circle with a callback to Corbyn's purge of Owen Smith and Borison's red-baiting name invention when he tweets, more Stalinist purges from the court of Keith Stalin. So, yeah, so Keir Starmer, for, for some reason, is called Keith. Keith, yeah. What the fuck's that about? 
it's like it's a private <laughs> it's a eye joke. Communist calls Keith. Oh, no, right. it's just because it's just a dull name. Okay. <laughs> like Keith. So, but to call him Keith Stalin. Keith Stalin. You can yes. call the left communists all you like, but the left will outshine you in calling each other communists. Calling each other <laughs> various variations on communism. Yeah. Stones with bait it red. No, no, paint it black. <laughs> yeah, due to a, a woefully inadequate musical education as a child, yeah. my first encounter of that song was as the theme tune yeah. to the excellent Vietnam War TV show, Tour of Duty. Oh, nice. Oh, very good. good. And and, and go. obviously once I heard it, that's a fucking brilliant song. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, nice. And a nice use of that. That was a very, mm. it's a very Apocalypse Now yeah. kind of... Um, use of the doors kind of thing yeah it's it's angst ridden mm. enough cool. and leads in nicely to our first example Aha! in the fallacy <laughs> in the world where we like to talk about yep. the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective because our first example comes from mash the vietnam era show vietnam War, yeah. that was yeah. yeah set in korea uh, this is actually an episode that we featured before because this is the episode where an airman thought he was jesus christ and they call in Colonel Flagg, the CIA military officer, yeah. to kind of question him. And Margaret and Frank have uh, some thoughts about this guy. What do you make of this mystery man who claims to be Christ, Colonel? Just your typical Joe trying to get out of doing his duty? I bet commie. I say his parents weren't even born in this country. Korea? No, I meant our country. <laughs> <laughs> I bet commie. Yeah. So that's Frank's just yeah. kind of go-to. Yeah, he's yeah. probably yeah. a communist. Probably a communist. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it. He's not kind of just doing it out of any sort of mental health problem <laughs> or even that not unreasonable thought of uh, Hot Lips <laughs> when she says maybe he's just trying to shirk his duty because, you know, we know about Klinger, so, you know, who's desperately trying to get out of Nyman to do anything, Same. and nobody's listening to him. But no, no, none of those is a yeah, comic. And that, but that's that's where 
uh, Frank's idea goes straight away. And an- another episode of MASH where Colonel Flagg shows up, he is just accusing basically everyone of being communist. And I think even Frank uh, has a copy of Reader's Digest. And, and Colonel right. Flagg goes, yeah, but if you if you take out the A and the E and the R, it's Red's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no one can get away with it. <laughs> there you go. No one can deny that. <laughs> so, yeah. our second example comes from an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry goes to visit his parents. So nice of you to come down here on your father's birthday. You've helped take his mind off the condo election. Oh, right. You can't run for condo president because you were impeached at the other condo. I was never impeached, I resigned. Even so, the press would bury him. What press? The condo newsletter, the Boca Breeze. Pinko Kami Rag. <laughs> Brilliant. It's, kind of, it's so Trump, isn't it? That, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great way of dismissing media that you disagree with yeah. as Pinko being yeah, politically motivated uh, because yeah. they say bad things about you. Yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, that, and, and what it does is, is betray... Um, Seinfeld's dad's political leanings that he immediately goes to Pinko Kami Rag rather than right wing yeah, fascist Nazi newsletter. fascist yeah. newsletter yeah yeah so um, <laughs> our third example comes from the always excellent Field of Dreams Oh yeah. this is a scene where a woman is uh, standing up in a school board meeting and trying to get a book banned by a, a progressive 60s author. That book you're waving about is hardly smart. It is considered by many critics to be the classic novel about the 1960s. It's pornography! No, 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 the Supreme Court says it's not. And its author, Mr. Mann... He is sick! Terence Mann is a Pulitzer Prize winner, and he is widely regarded as the finest satirist of his time. Yeah, well, I think he's a pervert. He's probably a communist, too. It's just kind of thrown in for good measure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's a point, he's a point, point. and uh, <laughs> yeah, probably a communist. So this section of the of the podcast is where we go. These are non-political ones, but they all they're all so well, yes, salient, yeah. aren't they? You just think, well, that, you know, I wasn't, I was never impeached. I resigned, and and the book book banning thing. Yeah, no, well, in, yeah. in my uh, in my downstairs bathroom uh, here in my house in France. There's a big poster of uh, Ginsburg's Howl. It was hailed as a literary masterpiece, but it was also vilified as a... You know, they, I think they, they stopped short of communists. It's a long-form poem, and they said it's not suitable for children because mm-hmm. it was made by these communists. So it's, it's this kind of... Uh, these left-wing socialist writers who were reflecting the mores of young people at the time. And then people just stand up and go, he's a poivite, <laughs> you know, because it's it's stuff I don't uh-huh. understand. It's, I don't yeah. like it because I can't read. There are long words. It's not suitable for children. Not all poetry is for children. <laughs> you know, just because yeah. stuff rhymes doesn't mean... It, the last time you encountered a poem was probably in kindergarten. That's what you're equating it to because you've not studied Ted Hughes' The Wastelands. It's not written for children. It's a poem, but it's it's beyond your ken. So that's yeah, the 
or better they reduce it to he's a pivot and probably a communist, and that therefore they dismissed him entirely. Yeah, and it and it would have been far too long a clip to include, but this scene continues yeah. with Annie, Kevin Costner's character's wife, yeah. standing up and arguing with this woman and telling her that this novel by Terence Mann was important to her growing up during that time and feeling isolated and lost and not fitting in with society and all of this kind of stuff and that Terence Mann was a voice of gentle reason and, mm. and all of this stuff. Mm. And then she whips the crowd, the the collected school board, the, the parents, into this kind of political frenzy right. where she's she's started talking about, you know, how how I thought this is America kind of thing. Yeah. And do yeah. we want to start banning books and have the kind of censorship that they had under Stalin? Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she invokes it on the pro And then everyone's side. like, yeah, USA, USA. Wow. And so, yeah. yeah you, there you go. So, yes, both sides of the argument <laughs> can invoke communism. Yeah. Well, speaking as the, the gentle voice of reason, my example, which I came across as I was um, looking at James, o James O'Brien on LBC Talk Radio, who is the kind of, well, I think he's been dismissed as communist several times by Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah. He's a kind of, he's the left-wing commentator on... Uh, the the stupidity of Brexit. I'd say he's a critical thinking advocate. Yes, he is, absolutely. He, he, he holds politicians' feet to the fire and yep. he, uh, when people call up to to espouse a particular view, yep. he asks them for evidence and detail yes. and reason yes. Yes. <laughs> rather than just kind of, of arguing back of with why they the opposite. Why they that conclusion, yeah. yeah. He also does a podcast where he invites people on and it's called Full Disclosure and they talk about things that are uh, dear to their heart and he had uh, Professor Brian Cox, who's called Professor Brian Cox, to distinguish him from Brian Cox, the actor. So he's <laughs> Professor Brian Cox. And he's yeah, also, not the guy from Succession. Exactly. He's also ex-keyboard player for D-Ream, who, whose 90s hit, Things Can Only Get Better, was used by Blair's Labour Party in their campaigns. So he's not quite non-political. But he talks... But Brian Cox, I liked it because I came across it, and it seemed to fit nicely. Um, it's sort of red-baiting adjacent but it's very interesting to listen to. He talks about a lecture given by physicist Robert Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, in his wreath lectures, this is the transferable skills thing. So he said, imagine, you think about an electron, sometimes a single particle, but actually also we understand we have to think about it in some cases as an extended wavy thing that fills the space that it's in. The truth is that it, it's neither of those. It's a very complex kind of behaviour that this thing has. And these are two good analogies. They, they look like ideas that are completely at right angles to each other, that, that you have to... mutually contradictory, but you have to hold them both in your head. And nature forces you to hold those two things in your head simultaneously in order to get a full picture of the system or a better picture of the physical system. They oftentimes said, and so it is with politics. You've got to understand that human beings have individual needs, that they go to work and they want to keep as much of their money as they can or whatever it is. You know, they have an individual life. But also human beings have a social life, a community exists. And so they look like they're pulling in different directions. Oppenheimer says you could call them capitalism and communism. 
right? Because he was in Tolkien in the 50s, sure. right? So, and McCarthy was pursuing him at the time. Yeah. So, but of course, neither is the right way to do it because it's complicated. It's like an electron. If you gave that lecture God. to all the people who are in our government now and said, you know, as part here, let, let's just try and understand a bit of quantum mechanics. And then you can understand that idea. And now we'll move that idea over to politics God. because it's applicable. And that's what Oppenheimer was doing. So Opp Oppenheimer was pursued under the ultimate red-baiting McCarthy House Committee on Un-American Activities in the 50s. And several of Oppenheimer's colleagues were called Fifth Amendment communists when they exercised their Fifth Amendment right. So they they refused to incriminate themselves by saying stuff so they they invoked the the fifth amendment but that didn't clear them and M mccarthy red debated them by calling them fifth amendment communists even though they hadn't produced any verbal evidence to support his assertion that they were communists by just being silent, he found them guilty of communism. It comes to something, though, when when someone wants to to explain politics by first getting people to understand quantum mechanics. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Well. <sighs> Before we go on, <laughs> between you and I, listener, forget Jim's here for a moment. You see, what's going on? It's, I've discovered that this is a Maoist, Leninist, Chavez-esque, <laughs> Castroist plot to make numbers mean something different to what we as the working class know and understand what them to mean. They're, basically, what they're trying to do, they're trying to seize the means of production against us. They're, they're just Leninist socialists. So anything that goes on from now on and we get to the score at the end, just be aware that this is a conspiracy. See, I, I think you're just trying to get points redistributed to you. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm trying to steal them. <laughs> Not steal them. What am I saying? I'm trying legitimately... To overthrow the system of overthrow the system. Legitimately <laughs> redistribute the wealth that's, yeah, that's stacked up <laughs> against the ultimate score that's only been distributed meanly, meanly by the uh, owners of the means of production. Yeah. Yeah, you're fooling yourself. Yep. We're an arch yeah. anarcho-syndicalist <laughs> game, this is. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, these quotes are from Trump's speech at CPAC last week. Oh, uh, oh, which, yes, yes, yes. To be honest, in in previous years, we've talked about what went on at CPAC, but yeah, but fuck me, there's such a lot of news Thankfully. and stuff at the moment. It's it's oh, no. <laughs> practically completely yeah. passed us by. It's like the circus has visited in the town next door, and you're going, oh, there's strange things going on over there. But what the hell, this town's on fire, yes. But they didn't have any stages shaped like literal Nazi runes this time. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yay? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well done, CPAC. Well done, um, yeah. But they did yeah, have Trump. Maybe. So, you know, not all good. Trump yeah. talked for almost two hours. Did he say anything of any consequence? He stuck to 
a script some of the time, but frequently right. got distracted by things, by yeah. anything Brexit. shiny. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, spent quite a significant amount of time at the beginning just Squirrel. introducing yeah. people who were there and saying how great they were, which was, for him, probably quite hard because yeah. none of them were him. Yes. So was that scripted or yeah? Wow. I think it was all the names were scripted and then he made right. stuff up about them. Mm. So that's where our first statement comes from. Okay. Uh, he was introducing uh, Ronnie Jackson, his former doctor. He said, uh, "Where's Ronnie? He was the White House doctor. He was a great doctor. He was an admiral, a doctor, and now he's a congressman." I said, "Which is the best if you had your choice?" And he sort of indicated doctor because he loved looking at my body. <laughs> It was so strong and powerful. But he said, I'm the healthiest president that's ever lived. I was the healthiest. I said, I like this guy. I don't know who the hell he is at the time. What? <laughs> okay. What? Okie dokie. Uh-huh. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Statement yep. number two. He said, uh, the contrast between the Trump administration's amazing success and the Biden administration's breathtaking failure could not be more stark. Wow. Let's look at the facts. I got gasoline, gasoline for cars, put it in the tank. Thank you very much. $1.87 a gallon I got it down to. Yeah. They have it now at $5, $6, $7. A friend of mine from California called me this morning. He just paid $8.55, he told me. California. And you'll follow... You'll follow. It's not even believable. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. All right. And then, yep. and then it got quite dark. Oh, right. He said the Republican Party are the only ones who can fix the carnage and devastation that is going on right now in American cities. Right. Democrat-run cities. They're all Democrats. They just don't know what to do about it, and frankly, they don't care. So the blood of hardworking Americans runs through the streets while murderers wow. and rapists walk free because Joe Biden and crazy Nancy Pelosi refuse to do anything to stop it. In fact, they encourage it. Brilliant. Who who would have thought that Joe Biden's administration would be the ones that to bring about the purge? Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Blood of hard working Americans. That's such a good yes, good, a good rousing thing. Mm. Okay. So uh oh yeah, I've got to pick a fake one. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're all just perfectly believable. Okay. Well, I'm quite impressed by the numbers in the 187 a gallon. Yeah, and the, the you'll follow, you'll follow, it's not even believable. Is that a, a thing that Jim would come up with? Mm. <sighs> and then the blood of hardworking Americans runs through the streets. So I... Mm, and yet, also, the, he loved looking at my body. It was so strong and powerful. <laughs> I just want to hear him say that. But did, is that a thing that Jim would write? Okay. Mm, okay, so it, it went mm, on balance then. I think that... Uh, okay, I, it's a toss-up between... Number three, number one. I think that. Eek. I, I think number one is the one that you made up. So, of the other two, yeah. which are you more convinced? More, more convinced by what well, about convinced? Very strong term. More, conv- more convinced by the 
number two, the the gasoline one eighty seven five six seven. And number two, yeah, is yeah, real. Oh, the contrast between the Trump administration's amazing success and the Biden administration's breathtaking failure could not be more stark. Let's look at the facts. I got gasoline, gasoline for cars. Put it in the tank. Thank you very much. One dollar and eighty-seven cents a gallon. I got it down to. They have it now at five dollars, six dollars, seven dollars. A friend of mine from California called me this morning. He just paid eight dollars and fifty-five cents. He told me California, and you'll follow. You'll follow. It's not even believable. What does that mean? That's kind of like, it's like a lyric from an Eagles song, isn't it? <laughs> and your follow, your follow, it's not even believable. I mean, it isn't even believable, because no. it isn't true. Because it's not true. None Obviously. of it is true. He didn't get it down. There's nothing <laughs> he, he doesn't did. have a friend. No. <laughs> 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 yeah, nobody calls him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so, had a friend. I had to call him this morning. Well, I called him a friend, but I just call him. <laughs> Yeah. So he has previously claimed that gas was $1.87 a gallon when he left office. Right. Which it wasn't. It was in the $2.40 range. Right. On average, this is across the US. Mm-hmm. It did get down as low as one eighty-seven a gallon in about April of 2020. Right. During lockdown, when, <laughs> when literally no one was driving anywhere yeah. at all, ever. Yeah. Uh, and obviously... Presidents don't affect the gas prices. No. It's to do with crude oil and it's there's lots of different factors. With the caveat that his bad handling of COVID yeah. in part did actually have an impact on that. And maybe it's a post hoc fallacy, mm-hmm. but the crude oil prices did come down and gas prices both in the US and the UK, I expect other places, continue to go up. At one point, I think 50 days ago, Joe Biden sent out a tweet, I think it was, saying, look, oil companies, yeah. bring your prices the down because crude, crude oil has yeah. come down and, and you're bilking the, you, the American yeah. consumer now. Yeah. And like the next day, gas prices started to come down and they wow. have come down every single day since. Yeah, yeah. So maybe... Presidents have some impact on gas prices, mm, yeah. But um, but yeah, it wasn't one eighty seven. Well, it was one eighty seven. He had nothing to do with it. It was the pandemic. Yeah. It isn't now eight dollars fifty five in California. Right. There are there are websites that track this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The current yeah. current average price for gas in California is under six dollars. Oh, nowhere near. Wow. The maximum you can find gas in California is is in the six thirty, six forty range. You must have bought it from Trump Gas. Yeah. If, you know, he just paid eight fifty five. Well, you must have gone to a Trump yeah, just, gas station. Well, maybe he just got eight fifty five worth of gas. He didn't yeah. necessarily. It wasn't eight fifty five <laughs> yeah. a gallon. No, he drives well, a I, he drives a fifty cc yeah kind of motorcycle. Yeah, because that's what you do in California. Because you haven't yeah. got to go far. Yeah. Yeah, I just spent eight fifty five in my petrol powered bicycle. Yeah, because you can get those in California, can't you? Yeah, yeah. It's like a push cycle. But, uh, with a but yeah, the, the, I think it's under four dollars average in the US at the moment. Wow. Um, so it's come down dramatically. The in in the UK, 
incidentally, just mm-hmm. so you know. The equivalent is um, around $7.68 a gallon at the moment, wow. average. Jeez. And it hit $8.50 before it started to come down. Wow. If only we had a president as diligent <laughs> as Biden who would just go, Oi, yeah, yeah. crude oils, down. what are you doing, <laughs> you money-making bastards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you also think the number three is real? I do. And number three? Yeah. Is yeah, fake news. No man, yes, blood of hard-working Americans <laughs> run through the streets. I should have get. Well, it was a toss-up between that or he loved looking at my body. Yeah, to be honest, although I did make that up, I don't yeah. think it's actually as strong as what he did say <laughs> in this. Oh, in this no. kind of what here's here's yeah. what he actually said. He right. said. The streets of our Democrat-run cities are drenched with the blood of innocent victims. Nice. Gun battles rage between bloodthirsty street gangs. Bullets tear into crowds at random, killing wonderful, beautiful little children that never had a chance. Wow. Carjackers lay in wait like predators hunting their prey. <laughs> so I toned it down a lot because I thought that was, that was more believable. Way too much, yeah. I would easily spot that, yeah. Oh, my God. That is the pitch for the Purge 2022, isn't it? Wow. Read it again. What was it? Tear into the innocent bodies. Yeah, but bullets tear into crowds at random, killing wonderful, beautiful little children that never even had a chance. so good, isn't it? Uh Oh, my God. Wow. None of it's true, obviously. No, 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 of course not. But it's... (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter. It's that kind of, uh-huh. oh, my God, that's yeah. so... Yeah. Be afraid. Be very afraid be a- for us. <laughs> it's also got echoes of Enoch Powell, isn't it? The yeah, blood, yeah. Blood of, blood of hard-working Americans. Yeah. No. So, oh, so that means that number one... Damn you. ...was a real oh, no. thing that he really said. He loved looking at my body. Oh, no, it's a real thing. Where's Ronnie? Ah... Oh. He was the White House doctor. He was a great doctor, you know. He was an admiral, a doctor, and now he's a congressman. I said, which is the best? Have you had your choice? And he sort of indicated doctor because he loved looking at my body. It was so strong and powerful. But he said, I'm the healthiest president that's ever lived. I was the healthiest. I, I said, I like this guy. I don't know who the hell he is at the time. What? Because he loved looking at my body. It was so strong and that powerful. just creepy. It's, <laughs> it's awful. Oh, my God. Which is the best? Of being an admiral, a doctor, and a yeah. congressman? Which a do- is the best? A doctor, well, specifically because I got to look at your body. Because I got to look at your strong, powerful body. <laughs> it was You're the healthiest president that's ever lived. Uh-huh. Really? Really healthier than Obama? Really? He said, he literally said... If it wasn't for all the junk food, he could live to 200. <laughs> so you're not healthy then? No, because you're cause, eating junk no, food. No, he's, despite the junk food, he's still going to live right. like longer than the average mortal. But, oh, but, okay, yeah. but if yeah. it wasn't, yeah. it would be supernatural how good he is. He would yeah. be, he'd live if to he 200. just ate a, a tomato every now and again every that now. isn't in a whopper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a cucumber. You know, a small cucumber that wasn't pickled. Yeah, you know, it's fresh out of the garden. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
No, that's horrible, isn't it? Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reason he... That is awful. That is the much reason more disturbing he... than the than the streets running <laughs> with the blood of innocent children. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The reason he chose... Well, you know, of all the careers I've had, actually, my favourite was being a doctor, specifically... Because I got to see your body. I think, I mean, the thing is, it's yeah. disturbing on so many levels. Ghastly. Because uh, imagine if you weren't talking about a, a hideous specimen like Trump <laughs> saying that you yeah. like being a doctor because you get to look at anyone's body. Is, yeah. Is not, that's that's not okay. Not right. That's the kind of stuff that gets you <laughs> struck off from the medical profession. Yeah. You get thrown out because you're not upholding the Hippocratic Oath. Thank God it isn't at all true. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Yes. Yeah. For Ronnie's sake, if nobody else is. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, unfortunately, uh, you did not yeah. get that correct, which means that. That means that the, the pinko communist conspiracy continues. Yeah, and, and I think you're on a. a, yeah. a, a an unbroken losing streak, like we've never a seen. Downward spiral, like the like of which we've never seen. Yeah. And and it means you oh, can't make no. it to fifty out of a hundred. No, ah, ah, I'm so sorry, comrades. So I can't. Oh, da, to, da, da, to go for seventy-five da, out of hundred fifty. We are sponsored this week by the Can We Please Talk podcast, which is an excellent show. It's like a straight version of what we do. <laughs> I was struck by that when I started listening to There's it. There's definitely a crossover, I really think, yeah. If, especially, yeah. I think, if you enjoy the is not a logical fallacy bit of what we do, where we kind of just talk about what's going on in politics. But yeah, that essentially is what they do. It's, it's largely about politics, not exclusively. They talk about general news, also business, sports, education, things like that. But they talk yep. about yep. it in a very balanced way. And they also have really interesting guests on. Mm. One I listened to recently had the New York Times political reporter Maya King. She was yep. really good talking about young people feeling disenfranchised by politics. What they're about is getting somebody on who really knows their stuff and then asking them questions that they will be able to provide illuminating answers to. Journalists, politicians, analysts, historians... Uh, all kinds of people who, who really know what they're talking about and who yeah, they interview yeah. in a really interesting way. They just look in-depth into one or two issues and say, OK, what's really going on? What can we learn from this? Where are the nuances? It's not black and white stuff. They're quite endearing presenters because they talk about how they mm. feel about stuff. Just go, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about what this means. And that you just your heart goes out. Out to them, you go. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm oh, your we're, brother. We're That's often it. very worried yeah. about the stuff that we talk about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I so yeah, yeah. If you think no, that really sounds like, like a good show, and uh, you should, because it is. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically mm -hmm. all of the places you would normally go to get a show. For example, like this one. Can we please talk? Go check them out. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called A Raid on Mar-a-Lago is Not a Logical Fallacy. 
because (laughs) as we published our episode last time, the FBI was, was, well, they weren't raiding Mar-a-Lago. It's a bit of a misnomer. It's how all of the news organizations were talking about it. But it was, they executed a search warrant. That's what they did. They knocked on the door, said, we we have a search warrant here that says we can come in and search for stuff. And look for stuff we think um, you might have. Yeah, they'd already talked to the Secret Service about it and said, look, we're going to be coming by, we've got some guns, you've got some guns, let's not shoot each other. Yeah. It was kind of prearranged, they knew it was happening. They came with a with a search warrant signed by a judge and and collected some stuff. But yeah. to hear the news talk about it, they were like, it was like a SWAT team abseiling yeah. down the side of Mar-a-Lago yeah. and <laughs> smashing in through the windows with Helicopters fixed bayonets. Strafing the gardens, <laughs> yeah. Well, the last time we kind of encountered something like this, it was the uh, the moving the goalposts episode, <laughs> where we talked about the way in which the way they characterised what had gone on had changed day by day. Yeah, it was the Stormy Daniels payments. I think we yeah. talked about for yeah. moving the goalposts, yeah. wasn't it? Because it because yeah, yeah, their their story changed and. To some extent, what we've got here is a mixture of moving the goalposts with kettle logic, because sometimes they are just at the same time saying contradictory excuses. They're not mm. even waiting for those excuses to be debunked and no. then moving on to another one. Yeah, yeah, they're just going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so this and then that, and you go, yeah. oh, wait a minute, but that's just the opposite of what you just said. Yeah, yeah. So, so Trump, his team, his family, Fox News are back on his side now. They're in his right, corner for a bit. Yeah, yeah, because it it suits their agenda yeah. to to bad to the FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah, they've they've been coming out with a large number of very different, shifting, contradictory, yeah. mutually exclusive, <laughs> and confusing arguments. So, yeah. so well, basically, excuses, excuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah, Not too strong a word. I mean, yeah. I would. I it might be too strong. I don't even think <laughs> you could necessarily call them excuses. Because it's got to excuse something. <laughs> yeah, it's just nonsensical but it's kind of like all of the brainstorming that you would have you go okay how do we how the you know the kind of stuff that led people to resign during the covid crisis in the uk they're just brainstorming stuff going yeah what if we typified it as a cheese and wine party (laughs) or what if we typified it as okay we got this stuff because we're allowed to yeah so i'm in my head they've got they've got those kind of giant post-it notes that are kind of on a on a flip chart and you could tear it off and stick it to the wall so they've got three or four of those things four or five of those things six or seven of those things and then they just trot them all out <laughs> instead of going well that one's obviously got i'm not going to fly so forget that they haven't done any of that yeah they've, so i think the press office in trump towers they've just gone yeah chuck them all out they'll be <laughs> fine yeah nobody will nobody yeah. will know so it started with trump informing everyone that he that Mar-a-Lago had been been raided essentially yeah because the DOJ didn't mention it the FBI didn't mention it it was Trump going oh the FBI have just come and t- taken <laughs> stuff my, and broken into God. my safe yeah and yeah. um <laughs> and so at first because it's Trump we didn't know which of the many thing which of the many laws he's broken that they that were applied to were executing a search warrant yeah. on. We had to do a bit of bit of matching. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, well, the information yeah. that we had at the time was coming all, all from Trump World because the DOJ were not releasing the 
search yep. warrant and the the um, information around it. They weren't talking about it publicly. But Christina Bob, one of Trump's remaining lawyers, she signed the the thing. And so she had, because uh, when you are served with a search warrant, you right. get to keep the thing. You don't you don't keep you don't get to see the affidavit which was the set of circumstances that led to the search warrant being issued right so what needs to be done for a search warrant like this to be issued is that they they need to gather evidence which gives them probable cause to assume that in a location or on the person of of a of someone uh, there, if they search, there will be evidence of a specific crime that they believe they have probable cause to uh, believe believe happened, and that they have reason to assume that there might be evidence in this location or on this person's body right. or you know clothing or whatever. A judge will look at that and go, uh, "Yeah, I agree that the amount of evidence you have provided me with, be it testimony or you know circumstantial evidence or whatever, is sufficient to Issue. give me enough of a reason right. to." to believe that that it's worth you being able to search this person. Right. Or this property or whatever. So here's the warrant to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the search warrant that they were provided with would have, as we've seen it since, because it's been released now, right. uh, would, would detail the crimes that they are looking for evidence to support. Right. And, the, the, and therefore those are crimes which there is already probable cause to believe this person may have committed. Right. Probable cause is a lower test, a, a, a lower test than reasonable doubt, which you would need to get a conviction. Right. So uh, probable cause just means that there's... I've, I've heard it said somewhere between 30 and 50% chance that this is a real thing that, that this person did. Right, um, right. It's a higher level than articulable suspicion, which is what a policeman needs to... Mm-hmm pull someone over frisk them that kind of thing they okay. have to yep. they have yep. to be able to put into words the reason why they suspect well, someone yeah, yeah, yeah. might yeah. have a reason to be searched yeah so it's somewhere in that hierarchy of levels of evidence you need to so be it would to, lead to you that. to bring about a conviction yeah take something well at least yeah yeah it's it's the beginning of that process yeah. um it's a it's a reason and and what it means is they had enough evidence to convince a judge that there is a like there is at least some likelihood that these crimes have been committed, and there would be evidence there that they could find that would right. prove those crimes. Yeah. And at the time, we didn't know what those crimes were, right? What the evidence might be, or what the evidence that was being seized was. But the stuff that Christina Bob was talking about to Breitbart and to Fox News and to people like that, yeah. she was saying, "Oh, it's all this presidential records stuff." It's like oh, right. it's, oh, okay. the, that that stuff the, the the fifteen boxes of material that Trump took from the White House yeah. that the National Archives went. Hang on a minute, that's yeah, right. our stuff. That's right. not your stuff. Yeah. yeah. Back in May, I want to say. Right. And then they got back. She was like, "Oh, it's just stuff. It's that kind of thing. It's not a big deal. Presidential Records Act, not not that big a problem. It's they're just you know overblowing their case about this. Right. Now the Presidential Records Act." is kind of a big thing depending on which records have been taken. I mean it's a, it's against the rules to take all to take the records away at all whatever yeah, they are. Take anything out of the way. Yeah. Else, but yeah. it's also against the yeah. rules to rip them up and put them down the toilet or 
burn them or eat them or yeah. any of the stuff that we uh, know that Trump was doing uh, yeah, yeah. throughout his presidency. Yeah. And to some extent, the only time that that would get prosecuted or cause a real problem is depending on how on what kind of records they were. Right. But realistically, if they were more serious or worrying records, like national secrets kind of things, mm -hmm. there are other laws that cover those, so it probably wouldn't be prosecuted under the Presidential Records Act. So it's not a it's not really a law that has significant teeth, and it's not one of the ones that was cited in the eventually released search warrant. Ah, right, okay. So at, at first, all we knew was her saying, "Presidential Records Act, not a big deal. Don't worry about it. This is fine," um, and that was what the right wing were were running with, and yeah. to some extent, what all of the press was running with, because it was all the information they had at the time. At the time, yeah. And so uh, people on Fox were were saying, oh, you know, this is outrageous mistreatment. Uh, if they can do this to the, the, yeah. a former president, you know, they can do what it to you. they do to you? Yeah, as because as, all of you are former presidents. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. of you have national security <laughs> exactly. basement. Yeah, um, so you've just got 15 boxes of which yeah. you've taken from the White House. Yeah, yeah. So imagine if they could do that to him. Jesus Christ, they're going to come after yeah. you. And at this point, Dana Perino on Fox said something to the effect of, it's not like he's got nuclear secrets. It's not like he's got ah, nuclear codes. That's very specific. That, you know, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I, that, if it's anything less than that, this is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So the next day it came out that he... That he in, <laughs> that the nuclear... Those. That some nuclear secrets or nuclear documents were included exactly in... Exactly the thing the... that he said it's not like he's uh -huh. got... He has. Yeah. Yeah. Following which, Will Kane on Fox said... To justify this, it's going to be have to be something a lot more egregious than than the nuclear codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah, that's not that big a deal. No, having, having what the hell nuclear uh, nah. stuff. You know, it could be the price of butter in Ukraine. You know, the deal with North Korea vis-a-vis -vis yeah. widescreen TVs. <laughs> no, much more terrible things than <laughs> the fucking nuclear codes yeah, yeah. so we don't to yeah. be fair we don't know if it was the nuclear codes we do, we uh if washington post reporting is to believe be believed there is nuclear information included in the documents that were collected by the fbi right so at this point all of the right wing was their narrative was release the warrant tell us the information yeah. which Trump's people had and had the ability to release. Yeah. But weren't they releasing. They would have got the, the yeah. mimeograph of. Yeah. So they, they, kind of, they write it through, they tear it off and go, here's your copy of the yeah. ticket. Yeah. Um, but that was what yeah. they were focused on was, you know, uh, prove to us that you're not just doing this for political gain, you know, release the yeah. information. Release the warrant. Release yeah. the warrant. Yeah. So the DOJ then went, all right. Here it is. Uh, we'll, we'll release the warrant. Yeah. And they went, oh, go. uh. No, not like that. No. And, no. <laughs> oh, 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 no, no. Yeah. So, so then, once the DOJ petitioned the court to say, "All right, can we unseal this and release it?" Again, not including the affidavit of evidence that led to the warrant being issued. Yeah. Trump's team then released it to Breitbart because all they could do after saying "release it, release it," once the DOJ went, "Yeah, all right, we're going to release it." There you go. They, they could either say, stand on. don't yeah. release it, stop releasing yeah, yeah. Stop the, <laughs> or, yes. or they could get out ahead of it and put it stop out. Stop the vote and, yes, <laughs> and keep the count going. Yeah, but, yes, those contrary things, there's, which are yeah, particularly kind of 
uh, attractive because they are three-word things, are they? Release <laughs> the warrant. Suppress yeah. the warrant. <laughs> give us the warrant. Don't give us the warrant. Yeah. Uh, mean, meanwhile, yeah. they were working on other arguments. Uh, Trump right. was right. saying Obama took 30 million documents after his presidency. He took 30 million documents to Chicago. Right. And... Right. and you think I'm bad? Were, were any of the other yeah, guy? Were any of yeah. those nuclear documents? Could be. Um, These questions should be asked. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just, just, I mean, is it, is it the mild mannered janitor who is Hong Kong food? Could be. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it it hardly needs saying, but that's not true, obviously. No. Um, and I I suspect that the people who keep all that stuff in the museum that's would just kind of go, yeah. What? No, no, none of those are missing. We've got all those. We have yeah. all those. That's fine. Yeah. So the thing They're is, freely available for <laughs> anyone to look at because that's the nature of our organisation. We make yes. this stuff available, and that's our beef with Trump that he took this stuff. No, away. absolutely. It, we haven't it was, got it. It was NARA. It was the National Archives and Records Administration. There you go. Who yep. who moved? those 30 million documents or whatever yep. government it was yeah. um, to a location and an NARA operated facility in Chicago yeah. or in the Chicago area. Yeah. And, and they were first of all, not classified documents. We'll get into right. that later because it kind of, right. they're claiming these weren't classified and that doesn't really matter. But yeah. the, the, the Obama ones definitely weren't classified or any of Obama's classified documents were stored in a separate secure NARA facility in Washington, D.C. Right. But the ones that were sent to the Chicago area, first of all, a lot of it was electronic stuff because right. by the time Obama came in, yep. a, lot of, a lot of presidential record-keeping had already moved to digital stuff. Right. There was apparently somewhat less of that during Trump's presidency, partly because Trump didn't, doesn't use a computer. So there was a lot of paper stuff. He would have he would have stuff printed yeah. out for him. Like if he saw a tweet he liked, he would get them to print it for him and stuff like that. Wow. For Obama, 95% apparently of all of the documents that um, were disseminated around the Obama administration and therefore were needed to be kept by the Presidential Records Act, by NARA, yeah. were born digital. So they, they started off on, oh, wow. online, didn't, they didn't have a hard copy version. Um, so the only... Uh, communication between the Obama Presidential Center and the the Obama Presidential Library with NARA was a request to digitize some of those hard copy documents right. that did exist. Yep. Yep. But again, they stayed with NARA in the sole custody of NARA in Chicago. So Obama did not take documents to Chicago. That's just not true. <laughs> yeah. Other people were saying, oh, you know, it wasn't that big a deal according to the FBI, when Hillary stole documents or whatever it was she did, which she didn't. She, 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 <laughs> yeah, incidentally. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she had a private email server, which yeah. she mostly used for private stuff. There yeah. were 113 emails that were found on those, in, in threads, essentially, of reply threads, yeah. that contained classified information but weren't marked as classified yeah. on that server. And the FBI didn't think it wasn't that big a deal. They investigated it thoroughly, found all of the stuff that was potentially classified information and said, yeah, you didn't do that very well, but didn't actually press charges because they found it to be kind of accidental rather than deliberate. Mm -hmm. 
this stuff, by contrast, yeah. appears to be material that was taken by Trump and Trump-adjacent people yeah. at the end of his presidency that is largely the same kind of stuff as the 15 boxes that were given back to NARA earlier in the year. And when right. when they were asked for it at the time, they gave those 15 boxes back, but not the the other 20 or so that he kept in the basement at his oceanfront golf course, oh. <laughs> essentially. Okay. So, yeah. so he yeah. was asked for it, and he just didn't give them it. <laughs> so so right. that's why they got a right. subpoena and a search warrant and... There you go. Yeah. And yeah. came and got them, essentially. Yeah. The laws that are cited on the search warrant, as it turns out, are uh, 18 USC 1519, which is essentially an obstruction of justice law that is about it's a crime to uh, alter, conceal, destroy, or falsify a, a record, document, or tangible object to impede or influence a federal investigation or other process. So. The argument there, I guess, would be that maybe some of these documents pertain to January 6th or to Mm -hmm. something that he otherwise needed to cover up for some other investigation that he might be under. Mm -hmm. And so concealing these documents, withholding them, it becomes, you know, breaks that law potentially. Yeah. There's a very similar law which is then another one that was mentioned on the on the search warrant 18 usc 2071 which uh, applies to efforts to willfully or unlawfully conceal mutilate or destroy any record uh proceeding map book paper document that thing uh filed with or deposited with any clerk or officer of any court of the united states or in any public office um and basically it's a it's kind of quite a broad act prohibiting just concealing and destroying document the public documents that aren't yours that should be yeah that that are covered by things like the presidential record act yeah yeah um the main one that is getting the press is 18 usc 793 because that is the espionage act right and the espionage act is similarly quite broad there are sections which cover giving national secrets to foreign governments and things like that yeah it's not clear whether that's what they're claiming. But one section which seems to be fairly clear that he has violated is the section that says, whoever having unauthorised possession of, access to, or control of any document, writing, code book, signal book, sketch, photograph, photographic negative, etc., etc., lots of things, relating to national defence or information relating to national defence, which information the possessor has reason to believe could be used to the injury of the United States or the advantage of any foreign nation, willfully communicates, delivers, transmits, or causes to be communicated, delivered, or transmitted, or attempts to communicate, deliver, transmit, or cause to be communicated, delivered, or transmitted to any person not entitled to receive it, or willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it. So that last bit, right. if there is oh. any document in this thing yeah. which, classified or not, to. Yeah. could potentially be harmful to the US if it's given to a foreign nation, if and you, you, don't if you keep it, over. it and yeah. don't give it to them, um, NRA, yeah. NARA, when they ask for it, which yeah. they did, you, right. you've broken that law. Yeah. 
And that isn't an intent law. You don't have to be doing it for a particular reason like the others where you have to prove that you were trying to impede a, an investigation or anything like that. Yeah. This is yeah. the, just the plain facts of the law are broken. If there is any document in there which could be national security. Right, yeah. And so part of the argument that, that the right wing has been making through this is these documents, they're not classified documents. The fact that... Oh. Many of them are marked as classified, as we now know from the receipt that the right. um, FBI gave to Trump's lawyer. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. they're marked as classified, top secret. Um, yeah. And in fact, some are SCI, which what? is sensitive, compartmented information. Uh, and those ones, the SCI ones, are the ones that are only supposed to be yeah. viewed in a SCIF, or a sen sensitive, compartmented information facility. And there's various things that a building or a room needs to have to be designated as a skiff and mar-a-lago certainly does not uh fit those criteria yeah, yeah. so he shouldn't have those <laughs> i shouldn't have those don't uh, one of the arguments that the right wing has been making is these yeah. aren't classified because trump is was president and had the ability right. to declassify them and just did he just he just declassified oh. them and oh, okay. and he's claimed i think it's him that's claimed it may be just yeah. one of his lackeys um that he had a standing order like a standard right. rule that any right. document he took from the white house to mar-a-lago was therefore automatically declassified does such a thing exist well 18 of his administration officials have come out and said that's not a thing <laughs> um <laughs> right yeah uh including people like mick what? mulvaney and you know right. various various people who would normally leap to his defense have gone yeah that's yeah. bullshit yeah that that's, uh, yeah. also not a thing you can do. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. Uh, Executive Order uh, 13526 lays out a process for declassifying stuff. Right. And it doesn't involve just the president going, see all, see all this stuff? That's declassified now. Because I've just <laughs> taken it off yeah. site. That's yeah. not a thing. Every single time, every 280-odd times he went, that was... <laughs> But even if it was a thing, it doesn't matter because none of the three <laughs> statutes that, that are listed on the search warrant yeah. are about classified documents. The, the, they, the documents oh. that they refer to don't have to be classified to fit within the, the breaking of the law. Breaking of the law, right, yes. So, so that, it doesn't matter. It, right. Even if he did somehow have some magical declassification power, which he retained <laughs> beyond the end of his presidency and could declassify yeah. them right now. That Just doesn't by matter. lifting them into yeah. his golf cart. Yeah. Um, that, not, yeah, it's not, not true. That's not a thing. So another thing that you'll have heard probably is the fact that um, because there were nuclear documents potentially in this lot, right. that even if he did try and declassify them, he can't, the president yeah. can't declassify nuclear documents. Um, yeah. it, that's not fully accurate um the, the the president's declassification powers if he follows the procedures are quite wide-ranging there is right. a thing in the atomic energy act which essentially says that any government documents that have to do with atomic weapons or nuclear weapons or whatever are mm -hmm. uh, another form of uh secret they're called restricted documents Right. So that would be a different law that he's breaking um, to, <laughs> to, to take them. Yeah. Um, it's it's right. probably, right. it realistically, is a law that, that as president he's potentially immune from. It's it's really right. 
the wording of the law probably means that he wouldn't be able to be prosecuted for it. He'd certainly have a good defence. But it's not accurate to say he can't declassify nuclear documents. Right. It's a different form of secret document that's governed by a different <laughs> law. And, and, and all of these other laws that he's that were on the search warrant still apply. Wasn't there a kind of weird, chaotic, somewhat defence that they they leaped to to say, well, the kind of nuclear secrets <laughs> or nuclear documents that he's got, you can all get? Kind of. You could look them up right now. They're available on Google. They're probably on your phone. Yeah, one of the arguments that has been made thing. is... Oh, the government classify everything. These lots of these right. documents that they say are top secret, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're really, not. They're not no, yeah, they're yeah, just. Yeah, yeah, it's just. Which you is, know, they're just compliment yeah. slips and the wrappers on toilet paper. But I mean, that's not really essentially that argument is. Well, yeah, okay. So there's a speed limit, but there was no one else around. Yeah, yeah. No, we went. We went. I wasn't doing any harm. <laughs> It was, no, so, no, it was it was fine. Yeah, because I'm the government. They're, they're yeah. saying he only mm. technically broke the law. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's how everyone yeah. breaks the law. Yeah. Technically, <laughs> yeah, but because here's the law: you didn't do what it said. Yeah. You did something in contravention of that. So technically, yes, because that's how we measure these things. Yeah, by levels of technicalness yeah but trump's main yeah. arguments were essentially i don't have any documents i shouldn't have right the fbi planted the documents they say i had i, I do have, have yeah. the documents but i declassified them so it's okay these are the documents i gave back all oh yeah yeah no they absolutely yeah they they should have they didn't need to come and take them they could have just asked, could have just asked which me. they did and he didn't Despite give them back. the fact that they did and he did give them he didn't even reply uh -huh. for months on end yeah. yeah and they knew there's a big chunk of them missing yeah and and so that and they said yeah can we have those back and he didn't reply yeah and then he's then they came around and said we're going to come get those and they said why didn't you just ask me? oh and the other the the yeah, latest argument i've heard is right. that they were just he was just like keeping them safe. Oh, okay. You know, he he moved them from the White House. Yeah. Yeah, we to notoriously to, unsafe to, to the basement of his, of his <laughs> to the, the unsecured yeah. basement of his oceanfront golf yeah. course. Where they thought to make sure yeah, maybe, that they were well looked maybe after. Maybe we should put a padlock on the cupboard. Yeah, yeah. nah, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, uh, they eventually, when asked by the FBI, put a shitty padlock on the forgotten the cupboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 yeah, I mean this is it's a golf course. It's a resort yeah. where people, people who have lots who of money the president. are able to just wander around. Yeah. And people who are, let's face it, probably illegal immigrants, are, are busboys and cleaners and, and work there and kind of can go can from room to room. And in in search of stuff. a broom, yeah. Yes. And so, also, didn't they employ the uh, argument that he was a bit busy because of the <laughs> insurrection... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was a crazy time, January. Didn't, well, I didn't know whether <laughs> I'd be in the packing. White House or not, so I hadn't packed. So I just picked up everything because I was busy organising an insurrection. So I thought I'd still be there. <laughs> so when it came to moving, I just scooped up everything. I didn't know what else was in the boxes. <laughs> and people have asked, did you ever think that your podcast would cease to be relevant 
once he was out of office. Go, well, you know, you tell us. These questions should be asked. <laughs> yeah. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Dr Oz has been having a bit of trouble campaigning against Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman for a Senate seat, mostly because he's really bad at campaigning and Fetterman is amazing at it and never runs out of ways to point out that Oz is from New Jersey. But one of Oz's team came up with a slam dunk idea last week, a surefire way to not only prove to the electorate that multi-millionaire TV star Dr Oz is completely relatable to the average working class Pennsylvanian voter, but also to show he understands how hard their day-to-day life is under Joe Biden's inflation crisis. He recorded a video at a popular local grocery store, Wegmans, where he started out by getting the name of the store wrong and then announced that he'd been sent by his wife to buy vegetables for crudités. He proceeded to wander around collecting random veg and just piled them in his arms like a contestant on Cracker Jack. See, Mark's not the only one who can make 40-year-old niche British TV references. Cracker Jack! (laughs) Oz collected broccoli, asparagus, carrots and pre-made guac and salsa, which he figured came to over $20 before even getting any tequila. How can the average hard-working Pennsylvanian be expected to afford their regular crudités? To be fair... Unlike most of Oz's campaign videos, this one did go viral, but mostly because people were asking why the fuck he was planning on dipping raw asparagus in salsa, what crudités are, and why he didn't just buy the $13 veggie tray instead. Mm -hmm. Fetterman, of course, had fun making fun and raised over half a million dollars for his campaign in the process. In what seems to be the perfect UK-slash-US crossover, just as surrealist inspiration Isidore Ducasse wrote... As beautiful as the chance encounter on an ironing board of a sewing machine and an umbrella, actor and failed London mayoral candidate and right-wing opinion haver for money, Lawrence Fox, has landed his first acting role since the Inspector Moore spin-off Lewis, playing Hunter Biden in a Breitbart film called My Son Hunter. Presumably Jared Kushner was busy, or too fat. Delightfully, the teaser looks terrible though not as bad as Tucker Carlson's testicle-tanning masterpiece. And if we know anything about teasers, it is that you put all the best bits in it. Because clickbait. So the actual film is going to be a stinker. In a press release received by Indy100.com, a warning is given that the film contains sex, prostitution, drugs, cronyism, money laundering, a laptop from hell, the selling out of America, the big guy... Corn pop, more sex, additional drugs, and family. And we thought the far right didn't like trigger warnings. Lawrence Fox must be laughing all the way to the bank. He gets to align himself with more right wing nut jobs, break into America, and never have to darken the mayor's waiting room in London again. Let's hope they paid him up front and not after waiting to see him act. The film mm. company's CEO, Larry Solov, goes on, My Son Hunter is a film they never wanted you to see, which is precisely why Americans must. Now, if that's not going to get us watching it here at Fallacious Towers, I don't know what is. I mean, we're definitely watching We're it. definitely going to watch that one. <laughs> Comes out in September, so... Oh, can't wait. Definitely watching it. Yeah. Trump once claimed he would be the greatest jobs-producing president ever. And while he actually left office with the worst jobs record since Herbert Hoover, he, his business and his administration have certainly created a lot of work for lawyers, judges and prison guards. 
Guards at Rikers Island will soon be welcoming Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg, who has pled guilty to 15 felonies, including tax fraud for the firm, for which he faces a measly five months in prison. You may remember a few of the crimes he committed, as we mentioned them before. They included giving Weisselberg and other executives untaxed benefits, including apartments, cars and private school fees. All told, it amounted to avoiding $1.7 million of taxes. If you're wondering if that five months deal includes a bit of testifying against Trump, the answer is kind of, but not really. He will likely be required to testify against the company, but not against Trump himself or his family members. And it's not part of a formal cooperation agreement, so prosecutors don't get to go back on the deal if he doesn't give them what they want. So it's not great. And it sure sounds like they could have held out for more, especially since these crimes are very well documented and could likely have been an easy case to prosecute if it went to trial. But I'll reluctantly take anything that might jeopardise the future of the Trump organisation. And anyway, we've still got Steve Bannon's sentencing hearing to look forward to. In the UK, in the old days, before they became a constant thing, we used to have culture wars each spring, when various concerned groups got het up about the works nominated for the Turner Prize art competition, dismissing them as stupid, frivolous, attention-seeking, without any merit whatsoever, and morally corrupt. Cue the Dallas CPAC, where one of the booths gives you a silent disco headset that plays harrowing testimony for people arrested for participating in the Capitol riot on January 6th. Freelance journalist Laura Jadid shared footage on Twitter where, instead of dancing, you stand around and watch an orange jumpsuited guy in a cage crying and chalking up days on a blackboard. Whilst previous year's CPAC attendees chanted lock her up about Hillary in her emails, this year they actually locked someone up to invince wallet-opening sympathy. Tony Vitor of Crooked Media called it a weeping insurrectionist pyjama boy art installation. And the Atlantic staff writer McKay Coppins added right-wing victimhood as performance art is actually the whole point of CPAC. So this makes sense. Playing weeping pyjama boy is Brandon Stracker, who turned state's witness and did not serve any time and has now spent more time locked up in a fake prison than he ever did for being involved in the January 6th insurrection. WUSA 9 reported that one person Mr Straker shared information about with the FBI is serving a 60-day jail sentence, with prosecutors saying his information was valuable. So is the irony at play here? Ah, the right don't do that. Stupidity? Gullibility? I don't know, but I do know I would have preferred one of those living statues who only move about when you put money in the hat. At least that way you could see how valuable Straker really was. They say a fool and his money are soon parted, and that also seems to be true for far-right pro-forced birth assholes. Kansas anti-abortion activist and conspiracy theorist Mark Geetson has maxed out his credit cards to the tune of $120,000 to pay for a partial recount of the vote for a proposed amendment to the state constitution which would have restricted abortion access. That's the vote which the pro-choice side won by 18 percentage points. So, good luck with that. It's only a partial recount because Geetson couldn't afford the $229,000 it would have cost for a full recount, despite offering to put his house up for collateral. So instead of all 105 counties, they're only recounting votes in nine of the most populous counties in Kansas, which represents about half of all the votes cast. Unfortunately for Geetson, those are mostly urban population centres, so the pro-choice vote in those counties prevailed by 31 percentage points. So yeah, really, really good luck with that. 
And if Kansas State Elections Director Brian Kasky is listening, I'm sure he is, he's a big fan, I'd just like to say, Brian, I think it's very unfair of you to refuse to take Mr Geetson's house as collateral. He's clearly very passionate about this, and if that's a risk he wants to take, I think you should let him. <laughs> We're perfectly prepared for you, for him to take that risk. Yeah, it's, yeah foolish of you not to take that on. <laughs> Chief U.S. District Judge Mark Walker has suspended partial enforcement of Florida's Stop Woke Act, a bill that Republican governor and rejected because it was simply too damn frightening demagogue and face model Ron DeSantis endorsed and signed into law in April. The bill restricts how companies and schools discuss race and would limit the way that private companies carry out mandatory diversity, equity and inclusion trainings. Companies that have 15 employees or more could face civil lawsuits if someone accuses them of violating the law. Judge Walker blocked the employer portion of the law, saying, like Hawkins in Stranger Things, the First Amendment was being turned upside down. Normally, the First Amendment bars the state from burdening speech, whilst private actors may burden speech freely. But in Florida, the First Amendment apparently bars private actors from burdening speech, whilst the state may burden speech freely. Misunderstanding the communication as only a dissentist comms director could, Taryn Fensk announced, Judge Walker has effectively ruled that companies have a First Amendment right to instruct their employees in white supremacy. We disagree and will be appealing his decision. Well... Far be it from us to deny your First Amendment right to freely express your thoughts using the power of speech to disagree, but you're wrong, Taryn. And if you weren't being paid shitloads of money to have vote-seeking demo batshit opinions on behalf of a fat, hairless, tone-deaf, upside-down Eddie Munson running for president in 2024, you'd be able to admit to it too. If you, dear listener, are the kind of person with a strong enough stomach to occasionally flip over to Fox News to see what snake oil they're selling today, or if you follow a single Republican on Twitter, you've probably heard that Joe Biden and his evil team of Democrats are quadrupling the size of the IRS by hiring 87,000 new gun-toting IRS agents who are coming for you and whose job description requires that they're prepared to use deadly force against you specifically while they audit you and drag you, bleeding presumably, off to jail. However... As a now jaded listener of this very show, you may already suspect that this is a steaming pile of bullshit. And I'm happy to say you would be right. The number kind of stems from the $78 billion of additional funding the IRS will be getting thanks to the fantastic and now fully passed Inflation Reduction Act. A Treasury report back in May said that this kind of investment would allow the IRS to hire around 87,000 new employees. However, much of those would simply be replacing the current employees who are due to retire in the next five years, which is over 40,000 employees. The additional employees would simply raise the total workforce back to the levels they were at around a decade ago before chronic underfunding depleted their numbers. And of course, not all employees are agents. These new hires would also include IT professionals, cafeteria workers, support staff and so on. Only about 5% of the current IRS is made up of agents. Finally, they're not coming for you. Unless you earn over $400,000, that is. And if you do, have you considered becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash ftrump? For sake. <laughs> yes, 
IRS Commissioner Charles Rettig, a Trump appointee by the way, said the proposal would direct that additional resources go toward enforcement against those with the highest incomes rather than Americans with actual income of less than $400,000. So you can see why Republicans are freaking out. <laughs> In teeny tiny Britain this week, Liz Truss, the binatone robot Theresa Thatcher may want to be Margaret powered by the same technology that the XL95 track and trace system ran on, is in sore need of upgrading. The automaton appeal to the red meat slavering right wing seems to be working fine. One minute she's slagging off the media, the next she's accusing British workers of not grafting enough, a third she's asking what's wrong with profit at the expense of people, and the fourth she's bemoaning the quality of education provided by the various schools that she attended. However... The human, well, what passes for human bit, is in need of updating. Unfortunately, the trust bot has only a 3.5 floppy drive and the operating system therefore runs as 746 disks. So we're only as far as one apology to the media. A garbled denial of a resurfaced article advocating charging people for visits to their doctor that's been paid for already by the National Insurance and free at the point of access NHS. Something about wearing really cheap earrings and a memo addressed to her about imagining that there are actual voters at the other end of the camera and not just the cover of Vogue. And whilst Gove says Truss is taking a holiday from reality, the one British worker who has never grafted in his life is on his second holiday in as many weeks and is only responding to things he can be asked to. So, we haven't heard from Boris at all for a long time. It's been bliss. Almost, apart from all the poo in all the sea off all the British coastline, the 10% inflation and the bread and water shortage that you can't do anything about because of the transport strikes and the fuel subsidy not being passed on by the insanely rich fuel companies. Yeah, but apart from all that, it could be a paradise. Paradise? Oh, shut up! <laughs> So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousdrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we use a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcasts. And you could support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. Just like our straw man level patrons, Steve Bickle, Schmoots, Mark Reiki and Albert R. Buchanan. And our true Scotsman level patrons, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, Max Beaver and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much for your continued support, everyone. It really is very much appreciated. And you can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. All music is by the Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump. We'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.